Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business podcast. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest co-host returns, David Begin. David, welcome. Thanks for having me, Henry. Appreciate it. On this episode, yeah, absolutely. On this episode, David and I are going to discuss the topic of decision paralysis which is, uh, as I describe it, the, the fear of making that final decision, either for something like starting a business, a big decision, or making a significant change or pivot in your small business. So I think it applies either way, depending on where you're at in your entrepreneurial journey. And that, that fear of making that final decision that then paralyzes us, and we either make no decision, or we delay or wait so long that we miss an opportunity potentially. To receive more information about the How of Business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, and how you can continue supporting my show and receive exclusive content and discounts through a Patreon membership, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. And I want to thank a few of our listeners who I've had the opportunity to either speak with recently or also that have joined my Patreon membership, including Heidi in Sacramento, thanks Heidi, and Chris in Austin, both of them recently joined my Patreon membership program. All right, David, well, let's talk about overcoming decision paralysis. And um, again, my, my definition of it, let's just start there, is it's, it's also people also refer to it, and I've referred to it as analysis paralysis. I think that's one way that we get to this paralysis on making a decision. But it's, it's simply when you're, you're not able to decide to move forward on something, either because you have overanalyzed it because, and I'm very guilty of that. Um, and perhaps it's an exaggeration of the fear of failure that often is part of it as well, but it leads to never making any real progress sometimes or starting on either on starting your business or on making a critical change in your business that is critical to the survival of your business. So it could impact us throughout our entrepreneurial journey. That's how I'm defining it. Yeah, I think it, I think that's a great definition. And I think it's, this is a pretty common problem. So, and I think all, everybody goes through this, whether you're a business owner, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether, you know, you're just working at a company, I think we all suffer from this. This is a very common, common issue. Agreed. And it gets exacerbated. You know, you mentioned working at a company, you, both you and I, of course, started in a, in the corporate world, our careers where, our individual decisions didn't have as much impact as the decisions that we're making as business owners, right? Right, right. Yeah. And I feel like when you're the person that's looked on to make decisions, it gets worse. So I think it does get exacerbated by business owners and entrepreneurs because you don't, a lot of times you don't have anybody to go to, to make that decision. You've got to make it on your own. You can't, collaborate with other business owners necessarily sometimes. And it's sometimes it's difficult to collaborate with your employees. So you're the person who has to make the decision and live with the results of it more often than if you work in a team or if you're maybe an employee. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's why it gets amplified and it makes it that much harder. Sometimes um, you were mentioning as just before, as we were preparing to record that, that you look at it is there's, there's really two types of decision-making. There's the day-to-day -day stuff that we have to do, lots of small decisions, and that can lead to, as you've called it before, decision fatigue. And then there's those big decisions that I've been alluding to as well. But 
they're both challenging in their own way, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think there are two types of decisions you have to make. And I think if you're making a big decision, you should take some time to go through the process. And you're going to talk about, Henry, how to, you know, what are some ways or constructs you can use when you're trying to make a big decision. But I don't know if you, you know, you can get paralyzed in making big decisions. But I, I think when you're involved in your business and you're, you're making, you know, making a lot of decisions and I look at, I use the analogy of kind of swatting away foul balls in baseball practice, right? Somebody's throwing pitches at you and it's your job to kind of either, you know, hit the ball into the field or hit a foul ball. But, you know, these things are coming at you, you know, all the time. And so good business owners are the ones who can, you know, sit there and take the pitches and respond to the pitches. But, uh, you know, I, I think there are periods where things happen where all of a sudden you can't decide where to have lunch. Yeah, no, exactly. But, you know, just to continue with that sports analogy, the thing is, though, you got to step up to the plate, right? As a business owners, this is what we have to do. And, and do. continuing again with, you know, as a, as a hitter, if you are averaging 300, you're doing tremendously. If you're averaging 400, you're probably going to be in the Hall of Fame if you continue that for any streak of time. So it's a perfect analogy to express the fact that sometimes what paralyzes is the fear that we're going to make the wrong decision, that we're yeah. going to make a mistake, right? Yeah. And I think you have to be self-aware enough to know that, hey, I'm in this season of I can't make a decision. I don't know what's going on with me. And we'll talk about what I think causes it. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you got to got to be got to be aware enough to say, I'm really having difficulty making decisions right now. Why is that the case? Yeah. And I, I smile when you say that, because you and I both have hit those walls at different yeah. points in our in our Man. business ownership. Um, and, and fortunately, that is one of the benefits of having a partner or someone that you trust or a mentor or a coach is we were able to talk each other and kind of pull ourselves, help each other, pull ourselves off the edge on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that is an example of paralysis that, that I'm talking about here. It can be either the big decisions, but it can also be the cumulative effect to your point of the small day-to-day -day decisions that add up and, and lead to fatigue and then to paralysis. That's right. So book recommendation here, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite authors, Malcolm Gladwell, in part because I think his content is easy for my mind to consume. It's not overly complex, uh, but Blink, I think you've read Blink, have you not? Yeah, yeah, I love that book, great book. Insightful book, Blink, The Power of Thinking Without Thinking. And, you know, if I were to summarize one of the key premises is that what experts do, and I'll come back to that point, because that's an important point, what experts do is that they go with their gut instinct, that, that initial feeling. And of course, throughout the book, he also uses sports analogies of how in a split second, an athlete has to make a decision. And there's not a lot of time to think about that decision, right? Do I swing? Do I not swing? Do I take the ball? That Those kinds of things. But um, he talks about that what we build over time is this knowledge and understanding that allows us to make what we think is a gut decision, but it's really we're leveraging and bringing to bear our experiences, right? Yeah. And it would be interesting to talk about the differences between a gut decision and a decision that we, you know, with you and I being high fact finders, 
you know, the, the decisions that we make based on doing a lot of study and a lot of, you know, a lot of information gathering. Uh, you know, the, the analogy he uses in that book, which I love, is the one where an expert looks at a painting or expert looks at a sculpture that the museum in Los Angeles just purchased for millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And they said, and the guy walks in and said, that's, that's a fake. It was the, get, the Getty, right? It was a sculpture at the Getty, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I think, I think it was, yeah. It was a sculpture. And this guy walks in and says, that's a fake. And, and he, he made that decision in, in just a few seconds. Right. He didn't pull out any tools. He didn't do any sampling. He didn't do a, a, you know, an x-ray of it. He just, he knew because he's seen the real thing so many times that he just instinctively knew. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I think somebody asked him, how, how do you know? And he didn't have an answer or he, he didn't have an answer right away. Now, eventually they did the fact finding and found out it was a fake, mm -hmm. but it was very interesting. He had that, that, that quick decision. He didn't know why he thought that. And then he backed it up with facts. Yeah. So I want to break this down a little bit because this really is complex. I want to come back to the point that I emphasize of expert. So the challenge for us, let, let's take it from a scenario of I'm, I'm, I'm looking to launch my first business. Well, I'm not an expert at that point, right? So that is part of what we have to understand that I cannot in that case rely on my gut instinct because I haven't developed that instinct yet. So I have to gather some knowledge to the point that you made. I have to gather some facts so that then, then I can get closer to that point, but I'm still not going to get to that years of expert level. That's where it comes into play also to, to lean on others, a partner that has the experience, a coach, a mentor, a peer, someone who's done it before, and that get that valuable input. That's one way that you can overcome not being an expert. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that, that's a great example of, you know, and this whole idea of time gets put into play too, is, you know, if you're going to quit your job and start a business, that's a major life decision. That's something you shouldn't make based on intuition or you shouldn't make, make, it, make it a snap decision. That's something that you should gather as much information and knowledge and expertise as you can before you decide to make that jump. That's right. Now, as we're running our businesses, as we're getting more and more experience, that's when we'll get better and better. It's that batting practice, if you will. At, and it's, it's actually taking the swings, right? In other words, you, you got to hit enough foul balls, strike out enough times that you're going to develop that instinct and become an expert in your business. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at, I mean, as you're saying that, I think about, you know, the decision to start a business or the decision to buy a business is a very major decision for you and I, because we don't do it very often, but look at the, look at the people on Shark Tank. Remember the TV show Shark Tank? Yep, Those are. guys are making decisions on whether a business looks like it's a good opportunity or not very quickly because they have that expertise. They've right. done it enough times. They know what they're looking for. And so they're making very big, big decisions. Now they're not risking all their money to buy these startups. So it's not, not a, that big of a deal. There's not a lot of risk associated with it. But for what you and I would take a lot of time to make decisions on, they do it very quickly. Yes, exactly. Now, the, the other point I want to make, though, on this is what I see often, and I'm guilty of it, is hiding behind, I need more knowledge. 
I need to take another class or I need to go to this workshop or I need to read this other book or I need to go back and do some more analysis. And while as we very clearly highlighted, especially when you're doing something like starting a first business, you have to do that research. I mean, to me, it's, it's just part of who I am as a fact finder, high fact finder and analytical. But at some point, you are taking a leap of faith. And that's where I think it gets hard. Yeah, I would agree. And there, there is always that point where you're saying, I've gathered as much information as I can, and I'm willing to go ahead and take the risk. And as long as I understand what the risk is, it makes that decision making process a little bit easier. Now, it could be a big risk that you're taking. You could be spending all your life savings on a business, you know, but if you say, okay, I understand what the risk that I'm taking, and I don't know what the outcome is going to be of this decision, but I'm willing to go ahead and make that decision anyway. I think that's where you finally get, get to that point. Yeah. But there, you know, there's, there's, there's the leap. You're always going to have to take a leap on a big decision. You know, should I start a business? Should I sell my business? Should I get married? Should I not get married? Is this the right person to get married to? I mean, you gather as much information as you can. And then you just, yeah, there, there is, there is a gap. There is that crossing the canyon of unknown you do your very best to minimize that, but there will always be an unknown component to it. Absolutely. Yeah. There are no guarantees. There's no crystal balls. There's no magic eight balls here. I mean, there are, you could use them, but it's not going to predict the future very <laughs> and accurately. And um, we'll sell you some if you and want. We'll sell you some. Yeah, we've got some <laughs> online. Go to the howabusiness.com. Um, you know, and the, the other thing I always say is like, I, I wish I could call up Uncle Buffett and say, hey, is this, is this going to work out? Was this a good, do you, can I, should I do this? Yeah, I, it, that doesn't doesn't exist. However, what does exist is, again, a partner, a mentor, a coach, a peer, someone who's been there before. That person can help you answer that question that you poised of, have I done enough analysis? Yeah, yeah. And they can or, also no, help. I need to go research. But but that's that's hard because you get so deep into it that sometimes you don't know when to stop. Yeah. And, and they can help you frame the decision making points that you've got to go through when you're making a big decision. And then they'll also help you frame the risk, right? So you, again, most decisions in, in business as business owners is managing your risk. And as I was developing my management team, it was difficult for me to get them to start thinking in that, that way in terms of, okay, what's the risk of this decision, either in money, time, liability, you know, losing employees or whatever it is, what's, what's the risk that we have here and is the risk that we're about to take an acceptable risk for the return of the reward? Yeah. And so, yeah, so I, I think what happens a lot of time in big decisions is people don't think about, or they don't want to anticipate the risk. They don't want to think about the dark side of this thing blowing up. When we started the car wash, for example, I still had my old job in technology. And so in the decision-making process, we said, well, if this thing blows up on the pad, I still have my job and I'll be able to pay off whatever the loan will be for the money that's left over on the business. Now it might take me 20 years, but we can get it paid <laughs> off. Exactly. And so, you know, we were managing the risk and mitigating the risk, but also understanding what the overall risk is. And I think a lot of times that's what the, that's what keeps people from making a decision is they don't really dive into what are the risks. They don't understand it. And so that's why they feel like they got to go get more information. They either don't understand it. They're not looking at it. You know, they're sweeping it under the bed in some cases 
They're, you know, they're not willing to look and say, what's, what's the risk, or they're not willing to take the risk. That's right. Which is, which is fine too. That's okay. If you're not willing to take the risk, that's fine. That's right. Yeah. But being honest with yourself about what, what is that reason you're being paralyzed? Yeah. And again, it could be real as you're articulating, which is if this fails, uh, I lose my home. I lose my kid's college fund. I, you know, I'm in major dire straits or I just keep my job. So which is it? What's, what's the worst case scenario? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll come back to that because that's such an important point. Thanks for, for sharing that. I just want to finish up on the point of personalities and how that impacts this challenge of decision paralysis and overcoming it. As I've shared already, and for those of you who've been listening to the show, probably know that I'm a high fact finder. I'm an analyzer. I'm great at putting spreadsheets together like you've never seen, Yeah, but I can get lost in that very easily. Now, that's what I need to some point to help me put the risk in perspective and to validate it for me and help me take then that, that leap at the end. But that's my personality type. So what then bogs me down, and this is when we're talking about big decisions, we'll, I'll talk about day-to-day decisions in a moment. So for big decisions, I need time to do my analysis and research. That's how I process it. For you, you're a fact finder, but but much more different than I am in that you're more of a fire and then maybe aim or assess the damage later. You And that's why we balance each other so well. But what, what in your in your perspective, what situations would big decisions tend to paralyze you a bit? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I, I am a high fact finder too. That's one of my, we both have that same characteristic, but I don't always make decisions based on a lot of analysis. I'll make decisions based on risk. Like if I want a car, I don't go through, if I like it, I'm buying it, right? I don't go through a lot of decision process for cars. You know, I've bought houses that way sometimes too, but there's very little risk to buying a car. I might lose a little bit of money, but it's not that big of a deal. I'm buying a house. We can sell a house if we don't like it. I I don't look at it. So when I make decisions, a lot of times, and it does kind of freak my wife out sometimes that quickly I can make decisions on some things and not other things, but I think I do it based on risk. So if I feel like it's a very risky decision, I'll spend more time analyzing it. If I don't think there's much risk, even, you know, even if it's a lot of money. And I think a lot of people that, well, I used to be spending more time because it's a lot more money. Well, I don't think in terms of that. I think in terms of what, what's the risk of making this decision it's much easier for me to make a quicker decision because I can get bogged down and, you know, oh, should I get this color or that color? These options, you know, and I don't like doing it. I just, I like it. I'm going to buy it. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. So I, I, I think from my perspective, it's more about risk, but if it, what bogs me down sometimes is if it's not something I, it's something I feel like I should do versus I want to do. So um, I'll get into analysis paralysis if it's something my you know I don't in my heart I don't really want to do. Now there are some things in my heart that I don't want to do, but I've got to do anyway. Yeah, right. right. So there's there's those situations, but if it's something I really don't want to do, then that's where sometimes I'll get into analysis paralysis. And that could apply um, to maybe letting somebody go or making, you know, or replacing a piece of equipment, even though you feel like maybe you can get more life out of it. Those kind of things where you don't want to do it, you might tend to put those off. Yeah. Yeah. And then 
So that those are the big decisions. I can talk about why I get mm-hmm. analysis paralysis for the day to day. Sure. If yeah. you want, if you want yeah, to go into that. Yeah. So a lot of times, if I'm physically tired, so if I've been traveling a lot or working a lot, if if I'm not physically up to speed, that will impact my ability to make a decision. Um, if I'm not in the right emotional place, sometimes that you know, like a. It's like, I feel sorry for somebody. Sometimes I'll feel really sorry for him when I fire him, as opposed to, you know, this is really the best decision for the company and best decision for them long-term. I'll sometimes focus on, I don't want to talk. I don't want to give people bad news. I don't want to confront this company because they charged me a bunch of money for something they shouldn't have charged me for. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get in those states sometimes where I don't want to have that conflict Mm -hmm. and it's because I'm not in the right place. So that happens quite a bit. I might've made some bad decisions. So I'm coming off a bad decision and, you know, and then I start my confidence sometimes will start dropping in my ability to make decisions or the outcome is probably a little bit more than I'm, you know, than I'm willing to, you know, it's going to be a big outcome. And so Sometimes that'll, that'll get me in, in that, that position. And the good thing about business, if you're making, you know, instead of making the two or three really big decisions a year, if you're making multiple decisions per day, you know, then they're small decisions. If you can get in a position in your business where you're making smaller decisions consistently, you don't have to make the big decisions like we're like, we ran out of money. What do we do? That's, that's, that's a big decision, <laughs> right? Right. As opposed to, did I, did I make the right decisions to manage my cash flow throughout the entire year? Um, so I don't have to make the big decision. So, you know, make, m- making a series of smaller decisions is much easier than having to make lots of big decisions at the end. That's right. And that's one yeah. of the ways that I recommend you tackle the bigger decisions is can I break it down? You know, to, yeah. that's the way I always look at problems or obstacles if you look at the entire mountain it can it can be insurmountable but if you break it down that might be a better way to make decisions leading up to it the the other thing that i found and this i think could be a podcast in and of itself is when i'm having to make decisions for other people because they're not willing to make their own decisions then that's when i get i get paralyzed and get tired because you only have so much energy and even if you make a small decision it takes a little bit of energy out, out of you each time you do it. So, so but if, that speaks to then as leaders of our businesses, we need to put the right people in places that are willing, have the courage to make decisions. And then we need to lead them to learn how to do so, don't we? That's exactly right. You got to train your employees to make their own decisions or to, to, to think about the problem and come to you with a recommendation. And I got to the point later in my career where I managed people, I said, I'm not doing your thinking for you. Yeah, I'm not doing your problem solving for I'm, you. You, you, yeah. you come to me with what you think should be done and why you think it should be done. And the people that worked for me that were smart, that wanted decisions quickly, were the ones that gave me, here's, here's what I thought, here's the decision I came with, and here's why I came with it. What do you think? Yeah. That made my decision-making process so much easier and I would bet eight out of 10 times they got what they wanted. Yeah. But, but they demonstrated to me that they, they, they put the effort in up front. This is Henry Lopez briefly pausing this episode to invite you to schedule a free coaching consultation with me. 
I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business plans and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner myself, I understand the challenges you're experiencing and often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. Whether it's getting started with your first business or growing and maybe exiting your existing small business, I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services and to schedule your free coaching consultation, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. Take that next step today towards finally realizing your business ownership dreams. I look forward to speaking with you soon. We could talk for hours as to how we got here, but what helped us and you could argue is our background, our corporate and sales background. But by the time we got to be business owners, we were pretty expert level at problem solving. Right. In that when you break it down, you know, we, we're, because we've done sales training and been conscious of why we are competent, right? As opposed to, we, I just don't know how to explain it. Like the guy who looked at the uh, sculpture, although that's a separate thing. But we, when we look at a decision, we're doing a couple of things very quickly. First of all, we've developed confidence that it's okay that I'm not, every decision is going to, isn't going to be right. That's not the, that's not the test. That's not the standard. If I can get most of them right, I'm doing well. And there's times, like you said, where you go into a slump and you got to pull yourself out of it. But what I think that we do instinctively because of that experience is think a few steps ahead. So very quickly, we can play the chess in our head of, this decision, if I do this, it's going to have these two impacts. It's going to affect this person. It's going to do this. It's going to impact this other part of the business. And we can do that very rapidly. What you are speaking to is what you did is you helped your team of leaders learn how to do that because you told them, take the time to think of two or three possible solutions and then come to me because you're teaching them then think a few steps ahead when you are making this decision. Yeah. And I think nowadays in school, we teach people to, you could, you, you got to know the right answer. Yes, right? yes. And a lot of people don't want to, don't want to have the wrong answer. And so they want me to make the decision because if I make the decision, they don't, they're not going to have the wrong answer. And so you've got to train your employees to start making decisions and for themselves. And it's a long process because unfortunately I don't believe our school system is teaching people to think and make, you know, make choices and make decisions and take a little bit of risk. But once you start doing that, it becomes a very, very effective team. And you're starting to develop the next generation of leaders, either in your business or going off in other businesses. But, you know, do not get in a situation where you're making decisions for your employees that they can make if they spend a little bit of time and effort on it. Agreed. Uh, huge point. But as you also are highlighting, the flip side of it is if I create an environment where there is fear of making the wrong decision, there's no room right. for making errors, then that's going to continue to paralyze people. And as much as I might want to pretend like I'm teaching them how to make decisions, they're not going to because they're afraid of making a mistake and that will paralyze them. That's, that's exactly right. And I probably had an environment like that where if you made the wrong decision, I lost my mind. Well, that doesn't encourage any of that. Well, I'm not going to do that again. So yeah, absolutely. I think I lived both sides of that in my management career, where if people made the wrong decision, um, 
you know, they probably got their head chopped off for it, which, <laughs> you know, which is, was terrible. It didn't create a culture of, you know, of people allowing them to take some risk and make some mistakes. And part of it is that, that perfectionism that we bring to it. Right. And yeah. that expectation that everybody should be performing equal to a hundred percent of how we would do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we've been touching on it, but I want to focus now on some ways to overcome this. And some of this will be, um, you know, re restating it. But I, I think that first and foremost is accepting that this happens. It happens to all of us. This paralysis, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like with mental health where people don't are still not completely comfortable about talking about it, but, but it's okay. This doesn't make you a lesser business owner. It doesn't make you a lesser anything. This is human nature. I think to a big extent, we learn how to manage it and how to avoid it, but it happens to all of us. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But yeah, being self-aware, Hey, I'm, I'm in this process where I can't make decisions. I'm not, you know, things are, things are piling up on my desk you know, people are noticing it, just be aware of it and just say, okay, I'm in this position. That's half the battle. Yeah. And then as we've said, you need to, my approach is I, uh, for big decisions, I plan, maybe it's financial projections. If it has to do with making an investment, I want to, as you've articulated, minimize my exposure. So is it acceptable risk for me and my team and the, the capital and resources that I have available to apply to this? And then I have to take a leap at the end yeah. of the day, I'm taking a leap. Yeah. And very few decisions in our lives are life altering. And so the ones that are spend the time and really put some effort into it. But remember, you know, if you're making a lot of decisions in a business, you're not going to make them all correctly. And you're going to be able to adjust if you make a bad, if you make a decision that wasn't right, or, you know, just learn from it and move on, but don't, don't, you know, don't throw, don't throw the weight of the world on that decision when the weight of the world doesn't deserve to be on it. Right. But if it does, if in fact, what you're trying to take on is so monumental that it would have devastating impact on you if it fails, then my uh, suggestion is always you're, you're starting too big. You're trying to take on too much at once, break it down, simplify it, reduce it. If we're talking about starting a business, and this is something I've spoken to throughout, you know, almost a 400 plus episodes of this podcast, which is to niche down eventually, take an MVP approach to developing a business. So many people have this vision for what their business is going to look like five years from now, and they want to start at that version. Yeah. Instead of starting small, validating that there's actually a market, all of the typical things that go into iterating and starting small. Yeah. If it's an existing business, I'll give you a perfect example. I was working with a client, uh, I think it was last year, and he was trying to make a decision on, do I, do I put my money on this one big marketing campaign or this other big marketing campaign? Two big decisions. It was going to take all of his budget for that period of time. It might've been for the year. And instead, what I suggest that he think about is, why don't you do both, but split the amount? So reduce the risk, try both in limited ways. And that way now it's going to make it easier for you to make the decision because I'm not putting, I'm not writing so much on one thing. I'm hedging my bet here, if you will. And that minimizes the risk. And, and, and in fact, uh, increases your, your odds of success. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to that risk decision, right? And most people get paralyzed because the risk is too great. The question you got to ask yourself is how can I minimize the risk? How can I mitigate the risk? 
So if you're thinking about getting married to somebody you just met, there's a lot of risk there. Maybe the idea is maybe you date for another six or 12 months before you get married, right? That you're going to learn more about that person and you're going to be able to make a better decision. So sometimes time is your friend when it comes to making a decision. Sometimes time is your enemy. Good point. But yeah, I love the idea that you brought up, Henry, of how do you minimize, how do you mitigate the risk? Because all this, you know, all decision-making has, has a risk component to it. And if it's a big risk, how do you mitigate it? Agreed. Going back to the Malcolm Gladwell book, Blink, a quote that applies here is this quote, the key to good decision-making is not knowledge. It is understanding. We are swimming in the former, meaning knowledge. We are desperately lacking in the latter. End quote. There's a lot packed into that one sentence, right? Yeah, there really is. There <laughs> absolutely is. Um, and, and, and the key is, we've talked about it again, is when, when do I stop taking in knowledge and instead lean on my understandings of all of that data that I've collected? Right, right. Yeah. At some yeah. point, I have to stop with the input because that will paralyze you. Yeah. And then you got to take that information and synthesize it into an, an understanding, as he talks about, which I yeah. think is good. Yeah. An expert does that in a moment. For those of us who are not experts on it, especially like in starting a business, that's where we have to do our work in the research and the analysis. We need to get help from others. And, and then assess the risk component as we've been expressing to make sure, or make sure all of that is in alignment for you. Yeah. And then that, that's why, like you said, you have mentors, you have coaches. I mean, I've always had coaches, you know, in one form or fashion in my, in my, you know, personal life and in my business career for a long, long time. And, um, you know, if, if you can't get it synthesized, get another perspective and maybe you get two or three perspectives and you start coming up with the answer. I've got a friend that hates it when I ask him a question and then I turn around and ask someone else the same question. <laughs> well, that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know. But that's but part of I, your decision process on it big is. decisions. It is. I, well, even, even small and stupid things, sometimes I'll do that. Um, but, I, you know, I just, I, I look for, I look for trends. I look for different answers, um, you know, until, okay, I'm starting to piece together a trend of what people are telling me. And so sometimes going to multiple sources is, is what you need to do. The, the, the caveat I would add to that is that be careful who you go to. You go to yeah. people that you trust and who have probably had similar experiences or existing business owners or in the arena. Yeah. Be careful with going to your friend or your parent that they're, they're well-intended, but if they haven't been there, that advice might be skewed. Yeah. You and I talked about that because our parents didn't have business expertise. My, my dad was in the military, so he had no business expertise. So he wasn't a person I can go to, to talk about, Hey, what do you, what's it like starting a business? Go talk to business owners who have done it. So sometimes you have to go find those people or surround yourself or, and it's much easier nowadays to do it because you've got the internet, right? You've got YouTube channels of people who are doing it. You've got podcasts like this one of people who are doing it. So you can, you know, you can surround, you've got so much more access to resources nowadays than you ever had before. Absolutely. All right. So other ways to overcome the decision paralysis, we, we've touched on this as well, which is to ask yourself, this is the big question I always ask people, what's the worst case scenario if this fails? Mm -hmm. 
And if the worst case scenario is I keep my job or I go back and get a job and yeah, it's not, it's going to be painful. It's going to be embarrassing. I'm going to maybe lose a chunk of money, but it, but if you can live with that, if it doesn't detrimentally impact you and your family, then that helps answering that question helps to put that risk in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I had a sales mentor who told me one time, and especially in a sales deal, you know, you and I worked at the same company, but you guys, you and I used to work at companies that competed with each other too. And the sales manager says, as long as they can't eat you or they can't kill you, <laughs> it's going to be okay. I like right. That. So he, 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 you know, he brought things into perspective that, yeah, we're not going to win every sales opportunity we get involved in. That's okay. Right. So this is not a do or die situation. And that's always, that has always stuck with me in decision-making process. And I've told other people that as long as they can't eat you and they can't kill you, it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because what, because and the reason that's so applicable is what happens in our, in our caveman brain, as we go back to, you know, that the saber tooth tiger is going to kill me. Right. And so that's mm -hmm. how we deal with fear. Yeah. We do, we are not good at ranking fear. Yeah. Yeah. That, that fear meter gets pegged to one end or the other. And, and we got to learn to, to analyze and say, okay, what's, what's the real exposure here? Yeah. Right. Another thing is to, that I find is effective is to set a date, a go, no go date, as I say, put a stake in the ground. In mm -hmm. other words, and that helps also with the analysis paralysis. So I'm going to set a date by which I'm going to have this decision or this gate completed. It goes back to what we talked about. If it, sometimes to say I'm going to start the business or not, well, that's a huge decision. What if we take it a step at a time with go, no go decisions as I do the research and validate this idea. Yeah. Um, so that's one way to help that. Yep. The, the other, one thing I learned, which was, I just learned this a couple, couple years ago, but, you know, put an arbitrary stake in the ground. So if, if you're stuck, for example, put an arbitrary, say, I got to make a decision by May, but by April 15th, I'm going to quote unquote, make the decision. So I'm just going to pick the one I think I want. And then for the next two weeks, act as if, you made that decision. Hmm. Okay. So, I like okay. That. I made the decision and then see what comes up for you mm -hmm. in that two weeks. And you might get some indications or some clues that might tell you, you know what, my, my gut is saying this was not a great decision, right? So kind of create a pretend decision and then see what comes up for you, but act, you know, in your brain, act as if you made that decision. And that's really helped me quite a bit in certain things that I get stuck on is kind of do the, the pretend decision. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think uh, as you're saying that, I'm thinking back to a decision I made uh, end of last year. I was about to invest in a business. And I think I did just that, David. I envisioned, I, made, I told myself and I told Pam, my wife, okay, we're going to do this. We're doing it. And so I think what it allows me, allowed me to do is put myself in the mentality of, envisioning myself doing that business day to day. And what ended up happening for me in that is that after a couple of weeks, I realized, I don't know that I want to do that. Yeah, that's perfect. See, and I think what it does is it takes the pressure away of making the decision. You've quote unquote made the decision, right? So, so the stress level drops quite a bit. You're, you're acting like you either decided to do it or not decide to do it. And then you can, you know, you can see what's going to come up for you. But I, I think you get a, you end up in a different mindset once you've pretend made that decision and 
now you're all this information is coming up that you couldn't you couldn't have accessed when you're in this decision making process. Yep. If that Brilliant. makes any sense. It does. Brilliant. All right. A couple other things and, and we'll start to wrap it up here. Accept that there's no perfect timing. You know, as with mm -hmm. people who tell me they can time the the stock market. Yeah, good luck with that uh, yep. over time. So so the the whole thing I get is, well, is this a good time to start a business? What's the best of times is the worst of times. And it mm -hmm. always will be, right? Yeah. Um, now, are there things you just take into consideration? Sure, especially if it's an existing business and I'm thinking about launching a particular product line or or making a pivot. You you certainly have to take those factors into consideration. But usually in my experience, David, the whole, well, let's let's wait to see if we get past the recession. You're going to be waiting a long time. Oh, I know. I hear people do that all the time. And I remember getting interviewed by the local newspaper when we started our business here. And, you know, aren't you nervous about starting a business in, in this economy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's always the question, or it can I always know, can be like, the question, right? Yeah. Are, are in this inflationary like, period, in this recessionary period. But we just, you know, there's always... Now, again, uh, there are certain businesses, you know, after the financial crisis crash, I probably wasn't going to start my mortgage brokerage business just then, right? Yeah. But other than those obvious things from a timing perspective, don't let that come too much into it. Yeah, there, there is never a good time. If you're looking at the risk profile component of it, there will never be a good time. I think it's an easy thing to hide behind. Absolutely. All right, we talked about taking it a step at a time, breaking it down, prioritizing decisions so you're not making, if possible, you avoid making a huge decision, but instead make a series of smaller decisions. That's critical as well. So th those are some tips and thoughts. And if there's anything else we didn't talk about there, David, that comes to mind, but I think we, we covered it pretty well. I agree. There's a couple of related episodes I want to point everybody to and a free download on this topic. So uh, episode 245 of the How of Business was entitled Two Responsibilities Small Business Owners Must Embrace. That's a topic episode that I did. And it was about my belief, and I, I think everybody would agree who's been doing it, that to be a business owner, you have to in, embrace decision making and accept mistakes. So it's a lot of what we've been talking about. Yeah. And I focus on it there and with from those two perspectives. You have to be a Willing to make the decision. I think if you're going to be a business owner, you have to be willing to be, to be the decision maker. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and people get sold on the idea of being their business. Hey, don't you want to be your own boss? Well, sometimes that's the worst thing in the world. That's right. You know, and it, yeah. it was interesting because I went to my son's high school class. Uh, there was a DECA group. And I say, how many people want to own their own business one day? And, and less than half of the people raised their hand. Interesting. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? But, it, but it's interesting because, you know, they're not, they, they don't want the hassle of it. So right. if you, you know, it sounds, it sounds great, but sometimes, you know, you, there's a saying out there that if, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're your own boss, you have a fool for a, a boss or whatever, whatever it is, but <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's not, it's not for everybody. So you gotta be, you gotta like it. You gotta be willing to take a little bit of failure. You gotta be able to make quick decisions and you know, you gotta be able to take, take on risk. So I have a free download for everyone. Just go to the howabusiness.com, go to the show notes page for this episode, or you can find all of my downloads on the resource link in the menu resources and then downloads. And this one's called two responsibilities business owners must embrace as we just talked about. 
So it just kind of expands on that concept and some additional thoughts and takeaways. So two responsibilities business owners must embrace. Free download for you at thehowabusiness.com. The other episode I'm, I'm recommending related to this is another one that you and I did. And a lot of a lot of similarities and overlap here. It was called Dealing with Overwhelm. And that's episode 265. You and I talked about this component of what we've talked about today, which is dealing with overwhelm. So that's another episode that I would recommend you go and listen to related to this topic. All right, let's wrap it up. Key takeaways. You know, for me, the way I summarize it is that there are no guarantees in business. There's no crystal balls, no fortune tellers. You have to educate yourself. You have to plan. You have to get that input, but then you have to move forward and you have to have the courage to move forward, right? Not the confidence as Dan Sullivan explains the difference between those things, the courage to move forward, right? Your decisions are not always going to be right. And you have to accept that, but you have to have the courage and a bit of faith to take that leap. Entrepreneurs, business owners, we make decisions, the hard decisions. So that's kind of my my summary of it. Any additional thoughts, David, on takeaways on this? Yeah, topic? I think that we we all get there. We're all gonna if you're if you're making a lot of decisions, you're gonna get to the point where you know you're gonna get tired of it or you're gonna get paralyzed in it. So realize that's the case. This is happening, and then figure out why it's happening. So if if you're getting a lot of decision fatigue, you might realize you're having to make decisions for all your employees because they're not doing it right. They're being intellectually lazy. And so you might have to change your management style to get them to make the decisions, but, you know, just identify that it's going to happen and then take some steps to either rest and recharge. Maybe you can need to get away from the business for a little bit, but, you know, figure out what's happening and why that's happening and take whatever steps you need to, to, to make a difference. Great points. Excellent. Well, Dave, thanks for joining me for this yeah. conversation today. Enjoy it. Always enjoy it. Thanks for having me. And thanks for letting me part, be part of this incredibly successful podcast you've developed. No, oh, thanks. It's, it's partly because you helped me with it initially. So we enjoy having these conversations. You know, when I, when I tell, when, when I used to think about what's my hobby, my hobby is talking about business, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my hobbies anyway. I know it's sad, but it's true. No, it's good. Good stuff. So thanks for having me. All right. I wish everybody listening the best as you start or grow your successful and profitable small business. This is Henry Lopez. My co-host today again was David Begin. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The How of Business. I release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.